And we are live once again. Here we go. Thursday, the theme, topical discussions. What's the topic of the day? Well, Christians and holidays. You know, we got to do this every year, maybe once or twice a year. We have to have ourselves a conversation about Christianity, uh, our walk in faith, following our master, Jesus Christ, in relation to uh, the holidays that uh, you and I might find active in our communities uh, and uh, from various geographical locations. You know, the Western world has their traditions, they have their holidays, and uh, so does other locations in the world. It not, may not be the same ones, but in one form or another, you have yourself various days that are held or esteemed above another for the purpose of whatever. Some it is religious, for some it is secular, uh, for some it's this, for some it's that, and so Christians, um, I think, are wise to have this conversation. It must be a, a conversation that is approachable. Uh, I, do not, I do not believe the scriptures would authorize us, uh, authorize us to have um, a... Um, Oh, how should I say? Well, let me put it this way. The Bible doesn't authorize us to add or remove from the text uh, or to bind or loose anything God has said. And we have to be respectful of that and honor that. Uh, while we uh, love the truth, first and foremost, and uh, love each other as human beings. And so we don't want to uh, have this discussion in the way that I've seen it done, sadly, by many Christians uh, which is designed to uh, cause uh, unnecessary damage. And uh, we don't want to do that. We don't want to participate in unnecessary damage, unrighteous uh, damage or uh, things, of that, things of that nature. We want to remain approachable and deal with each case as it comes and have a good conversation about Christians and holidays. Stefan Maia is my name. AddedSouls.com is the website. I am the minister for the East Coast Church of Christ over here in Moncton, New Brunswick, Canada, serving the greater uh, East Coast location and, of course, our community here in Moncton. And uh, I'd encourage you to go check that out, eastcoastchurchofchrist.com. We'd love for you to partake, get involved. It is indeed a mission field over here, and um, we'd love for you to get informed on what's taking place in the wonderful opportunity that came upon us and the growth uh, uh, we have and uh, the potential moving forward. So please check that out, eastcoastchurchofchrist.com. And also, uh, before we get into the topic discussion, some uh, housekeeping stuff, uh, listen, you can help this kind of uh, material move forward. You can partake in it by simply giving us a rumble, giving us a thumbs up, uh, sharing some emojis, sharing some comments, sharing the link far and wide. If you find uh, some substance and things that would benefit your spiritual walk in this life, uh, please consider doing that. Please consider subscribing and all those wonderful things that uh, have you participating, having you engage in the content being produced. Okay, good stuff. We move forward. We're going to read an article from our friends over at ChristianCourier.com from our brother Wayne Jackson. May he rest in peace. And uh, it is in regards to the topic theme today for Christians and holidays and how do we approach uh, these holidays. 
and um, we don't want to polarize or cause unnecessary removals or withdrawals or lines in the sand again, making mention that if we are reasonable individuals, to which the scriptures teach us, if we are guided by the Holy Spirit, meaning if we are reading the words of the Bible, we are believing the words of the Bible, and we are acting upon the words of the Bible, we are guided by the Holy Spirit. And if we are indeed, then the fruits are being produced of the Holy Spirit. And we will be kind to one another, our fellow man, right, in regards to having this, this discussion. And there are very uh, wonderful ways that we can be wise for our Lord and Master and utilize the day for our, uh, the greater good of the kingdom. And some holidays certainly do open up opportunity for religious discussion in locations of the world where that is typically not the norm. It is not invited. Uh, for instance, over here on the East Coast, we are out of season when it comes to the gospel, the truth of our Lord and Master. Okay, well, we are approaching the Christmas holiday in which folks will have a more open discussion regarding Jesus, and we should, of course, utilize that opportunity to have that discussion and guide folks to the truth. Anyways. What do I know, right? I'm just a fool on the internet. <laughs> okay, so we 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 want to have this discussion regarding holidays and Christians and and what takes place there. Let me just open up our feed as it is currently streaming. Make sure we're up and running with it. Yeah, we are. Good stuff. Excellent. Good stuff. All right. So we're gonna read an article from our friends over at Christian Courier. And it was written by Wayne Jackson. And here's the title. May Christians Observe Holidays? Again, a debated topic among Christians, well, for as long as I can remember, and also revealed in the pages of our recorded history. It's, it's a discussion to have. Um... Tracing back, of course, the first known departure from uh, our Lord's Church, the church Jesus built back in the first century over there in Jerusalem. Uh, of course, the fulfillment of the prophets, the kingdom Christ had accomplished uh, the prophets and uh, fulfilled the gospel plan. And he uh, was now the king of the kingdom. And his church, its doors opened with great power from on high, the outpouring power of the Holy Spirit upon the chosen vessels, the apostles, who had been promised this very thing in the Gospel of John. And on the day of Pentecost, over there, recorded forever more time in the pages of Acts chapter 1 and 2 and following, we see individuals becoming legal citizens of the kingdom to which Christ was now crowned king. And there were conditions of entrance, all having to do with love for God and repentance and uh, obedience to the gospel. And um, that is recorded, that is seen. Jesus promised it among the people, saying he would build his church. He did. It took place in the first century. His church is still well and alive today. It's a spiritual house. It takes faith to recognize it, to see it. And um, centuries after his church was built, uh, and this was taking place, of course, during the reign of the Roman Empire, all of these things prophesied centuries before the fact, 
by prophets such as Isaiah, Joel, Daniel, Micah, various locations that you can find therein clearly revealing the time in which the kingdom, the time in which the church would be built by Jesus, and uh, it happened. It's an objective, absolute fact of our religious life as Christians. It, it took place. It happened. It's real. It's here. Are there many falsehoods out there trying to teach us otherwise? Absolutely. Masquerading as Christianity? Yeah, it gets tricky. But if we go to the Bible and the Bible only, we will know the truth and it will set us free. That's why you need, listen, I'm giving you a bit of wisdom that I had to learn uh, the hard way as well. Uh, any religious group who calls themselves a Christian group but does not utilize the 66 books of the Holy Bible as the sole source of inspired religious authority in their lives, friends, you need to, that's a red flag. That's a red flag. When you see someone not going to the Bible for their authority, that's a big red flag. And that brings us again to, to the discussion uh, we're having and the first known departure, which was, of course, prophesied by uh, the scriptures uh, to take place. And it did take place. It took place centuries after Jesus had built his church. What took place centuries after Jesus had built his church is a departure involving elders of the church Jesus had built who had become contaminated, if you will. They had compromised their faith as the leaders of local congregations, and they got involved and in fellowship with Roman powers uh, within leadership. And so what happened is they tried to create, well, they didn't try, they, they managed to have it happen, obviously, but they created a universal religion, a universal religion that would have political power and sway and influence, but yet would appease the peasants, the citizenry, to their own religious worldviews, and it would bring it, it bring it all in together, united of sorts, uh, uh, with uh, pagan practices, uh, with Judaism and uh, with certain tenets of Christianity, certain little things. So they, they kind of look, these individuals, elders who departed from the Lord's church in order to compromise their faith and go along with Roman powers, Roman political powers and leaders, and they got together and they together had a discussion with this buffet table. Listen, we have a citizenry that has pagan beliefs and practices, that has Judaism and Jewish traditions and beliefs, and has now Christian beliefs and practices. So how do we, how do we universally have influence over them and control of the people so that things don't get out of hand and we can have uh, the opportunity to pretty much guide the direction of the citizenry? Well, we're going to create a religious body and uh, influence uh, or a religious body and entity that will indeed uh, hold dear to everyone's perspectives and worldviews, and it'll be a universal religion. And of course, you and I today know that to be the Roman Catholic Church, Catholicism. Now, Catholicism and the Roman Catholic Church is not the church Jesus built. But if they tell you that, you'd have some questions. And they don't want you asking questions. They just want you to follow what they tell you. 
And you're going to do that when they tell you that what they say comes from God. So trust your priest, trust your cardinals, trust your pope, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, and I'm not, listen, I was born and raised in a Catholic community, Catholic family, Catholic everything. Matter of a fact, you were not allowed to have any other religious view and you were not allowed to question that. Our political position was liberal and our religious affiliation and tradition was Catholicism and to question that was a big, big no, 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 no. But of course, when you start to think independently and ask yourself questions, why do we believe these things? Why do we do these things? What's behind the tradition? What's behind the belief? And you actually allow yourself to be independent in your thoughts. You start to seek the truth. You start to question the truth. And there's nothing, there's nothing to be afraid of if the truth would have led us to Catholicism. It would have just reaffirmed the fact. Matter of truth, that's how my father converted he sought to prove Catholicism as the church Jesus built, as the body of religious uh, authority and tradition that God created and organized. Well, lo and behold, when you go down that path with an honest, humble heart and you start to read the scriptures, you're going to quickly find out that there is no Catholic church in the Bible and everything that looks like Catholicism, Jesus rebuked harshly as things that would not have you go to heaven. So we need to put this groundwork together, you and I, so we can understand what's happening here. In the first century, during the reign of the Roman Empire, in Jerusalem, the fulfillment of the prophets took place. Jesus built his church. He is now the king wearing the crown of his church. That was built centuries later. The Catholic Church was founded and created, and... I told you why. You can look all of this up. Do not take my word for it. You don't need to believe a single thing I say. I want you to go looking for these things. Be careful how many chefs you have in the kitchen, however. You might find yourself with a mess. Be independent. Search these things out. We have wonderful uh, 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 locations, digitally speaking, in which you can find studies that will point you to the truth. Locations such as apologeticspress.org certainly has wonderful information there pointing you towards the truth. There are many various facets that can certainly lead you to the truth. And you can search these things out, and I encourage you to do that. So centuries later, the Catholic Church was founded. The Catholic Church is not the church Jesus built, though it is commonly spoken as such today, and that's what the billions of Catholics believe. And that breaks my heart because I wish they would I wish they would see what they really believe and where it comes from. But anyways, that's a whole new topic for another day. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because most of the holidays we practice come rooted from this departure, from this universal religion that was created for po political influence and uh, religious uh, authority and all, and all those things centuries after the fact. And of course, from Catholicism, departures from Catholicism uh, took place as well. And you had the uh, protesting movement, what you and I would call Protestant movement, the protesting movement, protesting against Catholicism, which that, of course, had some credibility. Folks were recognizing that, hey, wait a minute, why do we need to pay for prayer? Why do we need to pay 
to have our loved ones not go to eternal damnation? Why do we need to pay for a blessing? Why do we need, like there were things taking place that they could see and there was a lot of turmoil that happened there and the Roman Catholic Church did not like that and there was of course some unwarranted murders because of that and a, a great slaughter took place. Anyways, there's a lot of history in Catholicism, but Catholicism and the Roman Catholic Church and all the departures from the Roman Catholic Church, Protestant movements, pro, uh, uh, protesting, all these are denominations from the Roman Catholic Church to the next church popping up in your community today with another name, some kind of a name. It's all denominationalism. And within denominationalism, of course, we have a progress of holidays and things being practiced that stem from, again, paganism, Judaism, and uh, certain tenets of Christianity or certain verses perhaps taken out of context and created in a certain way. All of this, if we're being transparent with each other, if we're being honest with each other, okay? I'm not here to purposely try to offend anyone. I'm not being rude with this effort. Um simply sharing my studies, my life, my thoughts, so that you can uh, uh, recognize either, you know, what he's saying is making sense, I want to study this further, or I don't want to hear another word of it, this is not the direction I'm going in life, hey, power to you, I'm just telling, I'm just saying, the truth is the truth, and it will not be, it, it cannot be broken, it's, it, the truth is the truth whether I speak it or not, whether I exist or not, the truth is the truth, so, I'm just putting that out there. That's what's happening. That's what's taking place. Now we go and see today, thousands of years later, as a civilization, all these holidays. And in, uh, oh, before I move on forward, please listen. If, you, if, if you're interested in knowing about the church Jesus built back there in Jerusalem during the reign of the Roman Empire, hey, listen, we'd love to study with you reach out to us. We can have a sit down. If you're in the community here, if you if you are in New Brunswick, Canada, and you'd really love to have an open-minded, a searching heart, a very humble searching heart, you and I together, we can sit down, we can open the Bible, we can have religious discussion, and I'll show you uh, the studies, and I'll show you what is happening. And uh, from there, you can grow your independent faith. You, you seek to know for yourself, right? That's the key. You don't want to allow yourself to be persuaded by these cult-like leaders uh, that can be found and uh, or uh, any um, corrupt source that'll, that'll um, or pharisaical source. And sadly, there are a lot of these in the religious world, a lot of preachers and pastors uh, and religious leaders, reverends, uh, popes, you know, all, all the names and titles uh, that uh, are not in it for what is good and what is right. Uh, they will uh, try to manipulate you and control you. And so you have to kind of be careful about that. You have to be careful about uh, who you are paying attention to because uh, they will use you. Some of them will. And some of them are, of course, good, decent human beings who are doing their best to help. Uh, they might be ignorant. They might be uh, in error teaching falsehoods, but that they can be good, decent, moral human beings. So there's a lot of things to navigate through. My what I'm saying here is reach out if you want to study these things with me. Okay, so we find ourselves now in today's context, our era, thousands of years later, all these various traditions uh, that we know commonly as holidays that stem from, again, all these various worldviews and practices thousands of years ago. 
and things evolve, quote-unquote evolve, I use that word loosely. Things progress, things change. So perhaps what was practiced 2,000 years ago or 1,000 years ago uh, no longer resembles the same thing today. It may have changed in its uh, effort or changed in its description. Um, you, you and I know that. For instance, there was a time where if you said you were gay, it meant you were happy. Today, if you say you were gay, it means you are an individual who is attracted to the same gender. Okay? Um, you see where I'm going with this? I could go on and on. There are many things like that. So... It's kind of the same with holidays. What would have been seen as a certain way in a certain holiday hundreds and hundreds of years ago may have changed completely. So we have to keep that in mind as well. If we're being fair, if we're being transparent, if we're being seasoned, if we're showing a bit of wisdom and balance to this conversation, we should know that and admit that. At no point have we at this stage or measurement of conversation deviated from the narrow path. Okay, we've not taken away or added to the word of God. Know that. So in holidays, depending on where you're at around the world, over here in Canada, if I put some on the... Oh, that's not the right one here. Let's go away from that one. Where's my... There we go. Okay, so here's some Canadian holidays. We have New Year's Day... We have Valentine's Day, we have Family Day, St. Patrick's Day, Good Friday, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Victoria Day, Canada Day, Civic Holiday, Labor Day, Thanksgiving, Halloween, Remembrance Day, Christmas Day, and Boxing Day, okay, known as holidays. And, um... Some things we practice, of course, are not given a day out of the year. They are just commonly known across the board, the 12 months, such as weddings and feasts and traditions regarding marriage, birthdays, celebrating birthdays, you know, gifts and food and family and festivities. All these things are in the same principled bucket, if you will, of holiday expression and participation. And again, we're not adding or removing from the scriptures. We're, we're, we're having a very balanced and transparent conversation about this, and it's important we recognize that, okay? It's important we know this to be true. All right, so with all these holidays, and if you're in America, you may have, of course, other days added or removed or different, but it's to the same, it's to the same conversation and theme here. So I'm going to start reading from our brother Wayne Jackson. May he rest in peace over uh, at christiancourier.com, the website, and the article is titled, May Christians Observe Holidays? A very good question. It should be asked. I think we should have this conversation, as we do, typically, a few times a year. You'll hear it perhaps in sermons, perhaps Bible class studies, perhaps podcasts, sessions like this, uh, and various other content feeds in your social media platforms. So, Brother Wayne says, may a Christian be involved in any way with holidays that have pagan origins? And remember, if you do your studies, you'll come to the same conclusion I have. Every human being who goes to the study with an honest heart will come to the same common conclusion. 
with all this religious stuff and all these things that call itself Christianity and all these holidays, it, 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 you'll, you'll, you'll attain the two plus two makes four, the objective, the objective absolute. And so is it wrong for Christians to celebrate some of the holidays popular in our society, like giving gifts at Christmas time, allowing children to go trick-or-treating at Halloween, or hunting eggs at Easter? Very good question. And most certainly for Christians who have been born out of water and the Spirit, uh, freshly so, new added Christians to the church. Someone who has not yet had 10, 20, 30 years of study and growth in the kingdom. Someone who is in his first week as a new babe in Christ, new month. And sometimes, let me tell you something, in communities such as uh, the one I was born and raised, the only thing we've ever known for millennia deep is Catholicism, Roman Catholicism, and the traditions of the Roman Catholic Church. So to allow and ourselves to become the recipients of the truth, the gospel of our Lord and Master, which is very different than Roman Catholicism, uh, um, it's difficult when we convert to Christianity away from denominationalism because we've got ourselves millennia of tradition and ancestry passed on. And we are loyal to that. We love our ancestry. And we feel a sense of betrayal when we leave denominationalism. Departures from the truth masquerading themselves in the community as Christianity. And I know this might sound offensive, but this is the truth one must come to know if you are to be set free. It's difficult as a new child in Christ, one who has converted to simply come up out of that water, washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, forgiven of sins, added to his kingdom, to let go the many decades and centuries and millennia of a certain religious practice, holiday, custom, ritual, shrine, all of that kind of stuff. So we need to be patient with each other is what I'm saying ultimately. When you find yourself at the local congregation, the local church of our Lord and Master, Jesus Christ, and you see someone being born again out of water and the Spirit, added to the, to the church, you, we need to practice patience. We need to be suffering long with this new brother or sister regarding, regarding certain days esteemed more so than another, regarding traditions in holidays and how one sees such things. We know that from the instruction, of course, Paul spoke to the brethren in Rome. Chapter 14, I believe, is the location there with that information. And uh, we need to know that. So, okay, back to the article here. It says, is it wrong for Christians to celebrate these things? Well, in considering the issue, he says, several things should be kept in view. And again, I should say this, Brother Wayne Jackson has a bulk of information and wonderful commentaries and articles, and he is well-respected among Christians. But that don't mean he's perfect, meaning an inspired man. He is not or was not directly governed by God, miraculously so. He's like you and I. He's a human being. And there are things he has written that I do not personally agree with from my studies. 
However, I assure you, nothing Brother Wayne has written do I disagree with when it comes to the doctrine of our Lord and Master. When it comes to the doctrine of our Lord and Master, he and I, and all Christians who are faithful to the common faith given to us in Jude 3, listen, there is no withdrawal, there is no removal of fellowship, we are one. Now, regarding academic pursuits or matters of one's own personal opinion, conscience, judgment, scruple, yeah, we, we probably disagree on some of those things. But we are not enemies, and we are not out of fellowship. Those who make academic pursuits, matters of scruple, opinion, conscience, to be a line in the sand and are high-driven with it, puffed up with pride, the bully, if you will, the pharisaical type who utilizes word salads to manipulate you into thinking he or she is the only source in which we can understand the scriptures, they become the key holders, the gatekeepers. Uh, you need to watch out for those. That's a, that's a big red flag. These kinds are divisive, and they cause chaos, and they will uh, destroy families, churches, and friendships. You have to be careful for those. That's not what we're seeing here, of course, from our brother Wayne Jackson. We are in fellowship regarding the doctrine, but we have to know that sometimes we can disagree when it comes to matters that are not doctrinal. That okay? I point you to ChristianCourier.com. You'll find a wonderful wealth of articles there and books you can purchase and commentaries, but know this. This is, this is all I'm saying. He's not an inspired man. I'm not an inspired man. We are not inspired people. We want you to go to where inspired men wrote, and that is the Bible, the Holy Spirit's pen, okay? That's where, you, <laughs> that's where we all point you to who are faithful in Christ. We point you to the Bible so you can read it for yourselves and have an independent faith. That's where you'll, you'll truly be set free. It's a scary thing. You'll have to sacrifice many thoughts you thought you clung, you, you, you clung deep to, you, 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 but it's all for the greater good. It's all for what is truly most important in life and purpose and, and, and all that stuff. So again, a practice may have originated under certain circumstances, but eventually have lost that significance, either in whole or at least significantly. There is Bible precedent for dealing with this principle. And Brother Wayne continues to write, and we read the article, Consider the practice of eating meat that had been sacrificed to idols previously. A very lively issue in the first century. Here is the background. A meat sacrifice would be made to an idol. After a certain portion was consumed in sacrificial flames, parentheses, or by the priest, the balance would be sold as common food in the market. The controversy, therefore, arose, right? Is this meat contaminated simply because it had some connection with an idol? And if I may add uh, to uh, Brother uh, Jackson's article, there are many locations in the scriptures where we, we, we read of Christ rebuking uh, um, the Jewish tradition and how they saw the Gentile as dogs and impure. So much so, you know, they wouldn't want to even walk close to the location where Gentiles could be found. They were so, they were uh, truly the stickler for uh, their tradition when it came to perhaps being touched by a Gentile, that uh, they would have traditions bound on the people regarding washing themselves. Forbid I may have touched something that may have been touched by a Gentile, a Greek, 
a Roman, a pagan, a heathen, forbid that. So they came up with all kinds of very strict orders to make sure they were not contaminated by anything Gentile. I mean, a Gentile coughed five miles away. Uh-oh, we better make sure, you know. So just to help, just to, to kind of uh, throw that in there, you'll find that in the scriptures, you know, straining a gnat, swallowing a camel kind of stuff. So Paul's answer, of course, uh, to this uh, uh, situation here, again, reading the article from our brother, Paul's answer is no, right? What was the question? Is this meat contaminated simply because it had some connection with an idol? Well, Paul's answer is no. And uh, we are instructed to go see 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 13. If one has, quote, knowledge, in other words, that an idol is, quote, nothing, and his conscience is not offended, he may eat of that meat. It is not contaminated merely by its former association. Yet, there is uh, this caution. If one is in an environment wherein some, quote, weak, in other words, without mature knowledge. Now, here's where I might differ a bit from what Brother Wayne is saying regarding weak. I would more so lean towards tender, tender-hearted, not necessarily one who is not mature. Though, again, I am not saying that could not be applicable, that there is not a principle there that is active. He's not saying anything that is false, I would just perhaps add to it. I would add to the fact that some uh, are simply tender brethren. They've been in the church 20, 30, 40 years. They know the Bible and they live a very faithful life, but they have a very tender conscience. Obviously, if you look at me and you see and you've been following my approach, my efforts, my work for uh, many, many years, you'll know that perhaps my conscience is more so, um, how should I say, strong and not tender. Uh, a tender-hearted brother would be a brother or sister who might find offense in a great many things that you and I of a stronger conscience might not find, you know, to be a problem or an offense, uh, a matter of conscience. And that can be seen in both perspectives. And I'm not saying one's better than the other. I'm simply saying we live together as Christians in fellowship, even at various degrees of maturity in our conscience or tenderness or strength in our conscience. And that plays a very valuable part regarding Christians in holidays. And we are wise to pay attention to that if we seek to be faithful to God. And that's the beauty of it, isn't it? Mankind is going to judge each other unrighteously, according to social status, according to skin color, language, geographical location, religious practice, all these things. Mankind judges itself unrighteously, and it is an, a subjective judgment. But if you and I adhere to the guidance of righteous judgment, to the standard of God's, uh, God's command and God's way of seeing us, then we'll judge each other equally. And there would not be any need for one to look at another and say, well, you're just simply not dressed properly for this occasion. Meaning, 
And there's nothing wrong with being dressed for the right occasion. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we'll stop judging each other over clothing, over material stuff, right? Over what kind of food we eat, over uh, uh, how much money you have in the bank or don't have in the bank and all that kind of stuff. The way the world judges each other. We don't want to judge each other that way. That's unrighteous. That holds a lot of self-righteous hypocrisy. And yes, of course, you will find that kind of corrupt element at times in, in Christians. But that's not the fault of Christ, and it's not the fault of his church. Okay? If you go to the gym, your local gym, and you keep seeing the same individual there who's not doing any kind of exercise or pushing weights, he's just there to drink some power drinks and look at the look at the girls, look at the women, or vice versa. Well, you're not going to stop going to the gym because of that individual. And if that individual becomes so uh, su such a delinquent, uh, then the owners of that local gym will show him the door and say, you can't come here anymore, and we'll call the cops next time you do. Well, okay, we'll take that kind of a simple illustration to the local body. It's the same thing. Don't stop going to church and being with your brethren because there's a there's some individuals there who are idle in the pews. Now, if, of course, the whole congregation has become corrupt and contaminated, which happens, and you have to withdraw yourself from that location. If the preacher or the elders or the leadership and uh, the membership is, is, is corrupt and are practicing a great many evil things, uh, well, yeah, you have to withdraw yourself from that. But in general conversation... Um, we need to know that there is value and we are commanded to uh, congregate and be with the faithful. So we need to be cautious regarding all these various uh, uh, matters of conscience or locations in our mind, in, in our maturity or our tenderness and our strength. That, that's important. So that, that's what I'm saying here. So yet there is this caution, Brother Wayne says, I continue to read, if one is in an environment where someone is tender, a tender brother is liable to be damaged more so regarding this kind of uh, um, practice or this kind of conversation, then it would be best to refrain in that instance, lest the weak brother or the tender brother's conscience would be wounded. And we don't, we should not seek to high-handedly hurt each other that way. And sadly, again, there are many of these pharisaical oppressors, these tyrant types behind the pulpit, very bullish kind of individuals who practice this uh, or violate uh, the instruction of the Holy Spirit when it comes to these things. Don't be persuaded by them. Do not be charmed by their ways. Withdraw from such individuals. They are indeed delinquencies. But to a, a, a faithful congregation who is... Uh, practicing love for one another, and there is a structure of being humble towards one another so as to help each other make it to heaven, well, yeah, this is, this is the way. This is the way we ought to be in conversation to holidays, okay? And it could be along the lines of a meal. And if we've said this illustration a million times, if someone were to convert from Islam, well, this brother or sister in Christ now they might have great offense in their tender conscience regarding certain foods we eat. So it is wise for us, of course, to practice patience and suffering long so as to help our brother and sister understand. We are not to become, of course, the uh, recipients of tyranny from a tender brother or a strong brother. But there is a grace period we must give each other. And if we're reasonable human beings, we will do that, certainly. So if in a service where sacrifices were being offered to, quote, demons, 
the Christian were to partake. In other words, have, quote, communion, which is in parentheses explained koinonia, participation, fellowship, right? With those involved in the illicit worship, such clearly would be sinful is the idea here. Spoken of, of course, in chapter 10, verses 20 and 21. And Brother Wayne was pointing us to the apostle dealing with such matters in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So to practice Christmas, here we are, the Christmas, the Halloween, the Easter, eh, various religious things uh, would be unwarranted, if you will, to the context in which we are uh, conversating on. To do so merely as a cultural custom would be a matter of personal judgment, is the idea being revealed uh, from our brother. So in Romans 14, Paul argues the general proposition that there will be different levels of knowledge among brethren and that to a certain extent there must be accommodated for uh, the sake of Christ's unity. That's what's important. And Christ spoke a great many things uh, regarding unity. It is very important we remain united, not in division. And again, I go back to the, some of the things I was speaking of when I began this podcast session. You cannot have a divided world claiming to be united. There is no unity in division, and that is denominationalism. Denominationalism are all departures, deviations from the one true church Jesus built and his doctrine, his plan of salvation, his method of worship, his church. All denominations are departures from that. And again, I know how easy it could be to have a knee-jerk reaction to insult me or to, to want to call me names. Don't do that. Don't be dishonest with yourself. I'm still going to eat my cornflakes tomorrow morning. You have to look in the mirror and ask yourself these questions. Is what this man was saying true? I need to find out. That's all there is to it. If not, keep walking your way. You have to meet God independently one day. I'm not going to be there to hold your hand. We all meet God independently. Okay, so in Romans 14, uh, Paul argues the general proposition uh, uh, that there will be different levels of knowledge among brethren and that, to a certain extent, there must be uh, accommodated for the sake of Christ's uh, Christian unity. Christ has always wanted us to be uni united. He prayed to his Father for, for that. Paul rebuked division among the Corinth, uh, the, the Christians in Corinth. Oh, very strictly so. He, he, he was not messing around. Paul would not mess around with that. And Paul did that in, in, in love of the truth and in love of their, uh, his brethren to remain united because they were depart. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I think it is, right? We see the birth of the mind departing for denominationalism. And Paul was quick to say, don't do that. And it was all around baptism, believe it or not. Isn't that fascinating? The necessity of baptism was being deviated from. They were making baptism out for something not uh, according to God's authority, which was God saving mankind through his son in baptism. And they were beginning to uh, deviate from that necessity, from the necessity of baptism and how it was to be... Uh, 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 spiritually understood and practiced and seen and taught. And Paul was not having none of that. He's like, hey, listen, I've been hearing about these divisions. And that's why he spoke certain things about, uh, well, I'm happy I didn't baptize this, that, and the other. If you thought I was the one saving you, you were, man, you got it mistaken. 
If you if you were being baptized thinking the person who's baptizing you is the one saving you, you got it all wrong. It's it was Jesus saving your soul. It was God saving your soul in that baptism, baptizo, immersion, plunged, dipped, clothed, buried, right? Okay, so that's how God sees division. Like he don't mess around with that. He he we can't go to heaven. That's how serious this is. This is a matter of salvation. We can't go to heaven if we are divisive, if we are part of what is divided. We must be united in the same common salvation, the doctrine Christ gave us. And again, this here faith was the faith. It was delivered to us once and for all to the saints. That's why we have the perfect law of liberty. We have the 66 books of the Holy Bible. That which is perfect has come. God took great um, a sacrifice to give us these 66 books. We, of course, living under the 27 books of the New Testament, mercy and grace. Oh yeah, absolutely. Friends, listen, you are immersed. It is the power of God. And Paul didn't want anything to deviate from that and create denominational thinking. Though he knew it was inevitable mankind was going to do that because we want to do things our way and we don't want to do them God's way. So we don't want to read the Bible and do what the Bible says anymore, which is the penmanship of the Holy Spirit, a fulfilled and completed tome of inspired literature. We depart from that. We should Christians in Corinth were beginning to depart from that, from the purpose of baptism. And Paul was like, no, you can't, can't do that. I'm not the one saving you. God's the one saving you. When you believe in him, you repent of your sins, you qualify to become sons in the kingdom. When you are immersed, plunged, born out of water in the spirit. And you guys were, you guys were starting to make baptism out to be uh, the person or the water saving you or this or that. No, no, no. It's, God saves you. In that baptism, 1 Peter 3.21, Mark 16.16, 16, Galatians 3.26.27, Colossians 2.12, Acts replete with it. Acts is filled with this very uh, act of obedience, this, this love for Jesus. It's nothing you can meritoriously earn. It's nothing you can boast about. It's not our works. It's the work of God saving your soul. Again, Colossians 2.11 and 12 specifically says it. When you are immersed into Christ... It's God's work saving your soul. You call on his name to be immersed, saved, washed of your sins, Acts twenty two sixteen. all that kind of good stuff. So I'm just drilling it in scripturally so to prove the point, God hates division. Paul told Christians in Rome, chapter 16, verse 17, don't mess around with divisive brethren. Oh, no, no, no. These preachers... These elders or these brethren in, in, in the pews that are divisive, they purposely seek to cause confrontation and division. You stay away from them. You mark them out. You avoid them. They're a problem. And we know it. We, we've seen it. We've experienced these things. Well, God is going to judge these people, these Christians, these believers who utilize the gospel to manipulate people for their own selfish desires. That's a problem. We don't want it to have nothing to do with that. We withdraw from that. We don't want this division. We want the unity and the peace and the love and the structure of the doctrine that Christ revealed to us. And that's what we want to do. So we keep reading now from our brother Wayne in relation to um, holidays. So in Romans 14, Paul argues 
the general proposition, of course. Okay, we've read that. Let me see here. For example, some out of conviction choose not to eat meats. Others see nothing wrong with such a practice. Okay, regarding the meal and the food we can eat now. The apostle instructs that neither individual is to, quote, set a knot the other. No man is to create a law in areas of expediency and then demand that all others submit. Again, that's what the tyrant does. That's what the self-righteous Pharisee does. And friends, it, it pains me to say this, but be careful. These kind of brethren are in the local assembly at times. They creep in through the window, they take advantage of friendships, and they cause much pain and sorrow. And they are bullish. They are kind of like cult leader stuff. They are cultish. They are... They are governed in such a way that they will intimidate you and they will embarrass you if you dare challenge their hypocrisy or reveal the truth. Uh, they will slander you. They will bear false witness. All these things. It, it pains me, but we all know the influence of the devil. It's going to really try to destroy the unity that faithful Christians have. And I plug this in. What a blessing it is to be part of the East Coast Church of Christ here in Moncton, New Brunswick. What a blessing it is. We are a united group, like-minded in judgment. We love each other very much so. We are a strong family. We are a faithful family. God called us out from corrupt sources, from manipulative sources, has made us a united, beautiful body of believers. And hey, man, I'm, I'm, I want you to know that. You can reach out to us and you can be with us. You can study with us, learn with us. We're family. And we're growing. Okay, so unity. The apostle, of course, instructs that neither individual is set to a knot. The other, no man is to create a law in areas of expediency and then demand that all others submit. That's the pharisaical way, right? They come up with these academic pursuits or traditions, bind it as law, and they are very good. They were very good at keeping their loyalists loyal to their ways. Uh, they, they knew how to manipulate the law to their agenda. Anyway, so if an overt act of transgression is not the issue, peace must prevail or prevail, okay? Most folks who are rather sensitive about these cultural practices, these holidays, are not consistent entirely in their own conduct, Brother Wayne would say. Consider, for example, the celebration of birthdays. In ancient Egypt, the birthdays of the pharaohs were considered as, quote, holy days. And what is holy? Truly. I think a great many of us are ignorant of the word holy. I was. I had to learn these things. Well, holy simply means set apart. It That's set apart, different. You know, I have 10 apples. One of these apples is green. I'm going to take the green apple, set it apart so, so that it's different. It's called out. It's been put in a different location. It don't, it, it's different. I prefer the green apple, let's say, out from the other nine red apples. I love the red apples. They're very tasty. They're sweet. It's good nourishment, wonderful fruits. But I'm going to take the green apple and set it apart, set it aside, and make that one the special apple so that once I've eaten the nine red ones, I'll have the green one. And the green one, well, we're just not going to eat it. We're going to have a certain prayer for it, and we're going to have 
I don't know, maybe we could have some lights, maybe we could have some family over, maybe we could have some music, maybe, you know, maybe we could do these things to enrich our joy in the day while we go and eat this green apple that we set apart, we put, we set aside, it's different, it's holy, holy. Does this mean if a man in this era, oh, maybe a jump in here somewhere, where am I? Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, consider, for example, the celebration of birthdays. In ancient Egypt, the birthdays of the pharaohs were considered as, quote, holy days, with no work being done. Okay. Moreover, as John Lightfoot noted, quote, the Jewish schools esteemed the keeping of birthdays a part of idolatrous worship. This from literature of uh, from 1979. So does this mean that if a man in this era gives his wife a birthday present, or if we have a birthday party for a child, we have compromised our faith? Well, surely no one will say will say so. No one, no one will so allege, the article would say. We practice Thanksgiving. What about that one? Is that one sinful? See, we have to really, you can't, I understand what Brother Wayne is saying here. You're going to find yourself in a hypocrisy. You're going to be found pinned in a dilemma. If you start to pick and choose which one you want to say is good and which one you want to say is bad or which one you want to say is lawful and which one you want to say is not lawful, like you cannot be inconsistent with that. You can't say you will be damned to hell as a Christian if you practice in today's understanding of Halloween or Easter or, or Christmas but yet it is perfectly fine and permissible to practice birthdays or Thanksgiving or any other holy, set-apart day in its activities. I'm being fair here. I'm not binding anything on anyone. I'm sharing my thoughts, my studies, my mind with you, along with what I believe to be united with Brother Wayne. So, we keep reading. What about the man who takes his wife out for dinner and gives her flowers on Valentine's Day? Has he yielded to the Romish dogma regarding, quote, Saint Valentine? When we place flowers on the graves of our loved ones, is this the same as the Hindu practice of putting food on the graves of one's ancestors? Does having a wedding ceremony in a church building imply that we endorse the Catholic notion that marriage is a, quote, church sacrament? Surely these queries must be answered negatively. Practices can change with time and mean different things to different people. We must not compromise the truth. The truth, of course, is reality. And it has a lot more to say than that, but in part, in general, that's the case. It is, of course, the truth. Truth is reality. Reality will set us free from the bondage of myth. John 17, 17, the word of God is truth, right? But neither are we permitted to make spiritual laws for others. That concludes Brother Jackson's article. You can find this article over at christiancourier.com. That is so true. And that is where we find ourselves in a lot of problems. When we start to bind on each other. Spiritual laws, Christ has never bound. There is freedom in Christ. And all of us are certainly on different paths of maturity in the word. And um, we need to remain united. We need to remain united. 
I posted something on my Facebook profile yesterday evening saying, We are not enemies. We are not to pay attention to professional liars who are making us out to be enemies. If we are faithful brethren, we are united. So, holidays. Okay. Is it true that we can choose to participate in holidays in a way that would be sinful? Absolutely. One can make anything sinful. One can make any, almost everything and anything into a sinful practice, thought, behavior. That's why we have the love of Christ through his word to teach us not to do those things. Perhaps you are a tender brother of a tender conscience who cannot, out of tender conscience, participate in any way, shape, or form with Christmas, Halloween, Easter, Thanksgiving. Perhaps perhaps some you do feel comfortable participating in, but perhaps there are others you do not. For instance, there are some Christians that say, I want nothing to do with Halloween, but I enjoy Christmas. And that is I don't have a problem with that. We can be brethren. It becomes a problem if you tell me I am condemned for having my children participate in Halloween activities, which in today's age is mostly dressing up as superheroes and getting candies from the neighbor. Are there people who utilize Halloween in sinful ways? Absolutely. Absolutely. And let's remember the words from Titus. I believe they are from Titus. A corrupt individual is going to see everything corrupt. If we have a good and kind, tender heart, we will have a strong conscience and we will see the good that is found in people and the good that can be utilized in all things. Now, don't try to put something in my mouth I did not put. You can't make fornication out to be good. You can't make adultery out to be good. So understand... Sin is certainly a sin. But to participate in holidays can be made to be joyful moments. For us Canadians here on the East Coast, my family, my culture, my people, we love Christmas time. Christmas time is a time of joy. Christmas music, Christmas cartoons, Christmas food, family, unity. We, we utilize the holiday, and we find great pleasure in that. And it is, so, it is so peaceful to live in a place where the ground has a soothing, soft glow from the snow, and you have a fire going in the fireplace and you have some warm food being cooked and the music and the family you can't do anything else but thank god on that day we thank god for the blessing of freedom the little ones we have left in this crazy dying world we thank god we thank god that he's allowed us to have this day which is different than the others to which we esteem higher than perhaps others in different locations in the world. We thank God for that. Thank you, Lord, for the food you provide. And we thank him every day, obviously. But this is a peculiar day. 
This is a day set apart. This is a day where the abundance of blessing is all seen throughout the hours. All of it. And we're just so thankful for that. Now, what if I want to thank God on December 25th for loving us and sending us his son to die on a cross for our sins? Have I violated anything? No. Are there many lies in the denominational world religiously practiced during holidays, specifically perhaps Easter or Christmas? Yeah, there is. There is. But let's not hate them. Let's just live the example of our Lord and Master and teach them in a very humble, mutual way so as to kind of call us out from anything that would be taught that would not be accurate. For instance, the big one. Jesus Christ was not born on December 25th. Jesus Christ was not born on December 25th. It doesn't matter how many songs you listen to that say it. It doesn't matter how many Catholic masses you go to that would say it. It doesn't matter if the world thinks Jesus was born on December 25th. He was not born on December 25th. Can I thank God that Jesus was indeed born, that God sent Jesus on earth on December 25th? Well, that's a different conversation, isn't it? I don't... This is my personal opinion. I don't think it would be wise if I go behind the pulpit and start thanking God for Jesus being born <laughs> while we do so on December 25th, because let's remember this year, Sunday, December 25th, is our worship day. So there is prudence, there is wisdom, uh, but uh, we need to know that a great many things taking place um, is simply for the enjoyment of our freedom. Family time is what I'm saying. And you can find that in all holidays if you have a pure heart to see things decent and practice decently. Now, some Christians who may be misguided in their studies might take certain verses out of its context to, again, further bind their scruples on others. And you shouldn't do that. We shouldn't do that. I've done that. I've had to learn myself out of that. Again, sometimes in the church, you'll find... Christians who are bad company, they're not good people, they use people, and it's sad because it gives Christianity a bad name out there, and they bring reproach to the church, but I've been among bad apples, if you will, who are bad company, and they'll have you uh, think so, so much evil against each other, it's just so, so bad, but anyways, um, some will teach scriptures out of context to bind their own ways. And one verse they might go to is abstain from all appearances of evil. 1 Thessalonians 5.22. They'll bind that on their brethren. It's taken out of context, friends. Uh, abstain from all appearance of evil is not talking about having your children dress up as superheroes to go get candies, okay? It's not talking about Christmas or holidays, if, if you're truly an individual who loves Jesus and wants to uh, uh, honor his word, you'll learn the context. Paul was speaking about false teachers. We are to abstain from these kinds. We are not to participate in false doctrines, false, and those who bring it. That, that's what he's talking about there, friends. He's not talking about if you see something that looks evil to you, run away from it. 
Is there utility in wanting to withdraw ourselves from something that certainly gives out an appearance of evil in the community? Well, if we righteously judge according to God's will, then we'll recognize and discern it properly. And yeah, perhaps we need to withdraw ourselves. For instance, I was uh, many months ago now shopping for a gift for my daughter, a beautiful little gift. So I enter into a gift shop, and I may have spoken of this before if you've been paying attention to my content for a while. Um, so I enter into this small little store, if you will, and it has beautiful stuff for little girls, right? And the next thing you know, while I'm knee-deep into this small little store for, uh, you know, t-shirts and hats and beautiful stuff for little girls, I'm looking, I'm starting to recognize around me all this sexual paraphernalia. I mean, and, 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 and I'm starting to recognize clothing with profanity and with pornography. And I'm like, wait a minute, where am I? Well... That's a bit tricky, isn't it? Because while you walk into the store, everything's decent. And then while you're walking deeper into the store and you're looking at shirts and you're looking at hats and you're looking at... You're like, wait a minute. Well, that, of course, would be a location that might not look good on me and the church and what I represent if others were to see that. Like, hey, what are you doing this side of the store, if you will? Okay, so from a principle standpoint, yeah, what we should. But this is not the verse you would go to. This is not the, the location you would say, oh, there's an appearance of evil, run away from that. Uh, where there is sin or where something is being produced for the purpose of sin, we should, of course, abstain from. We should remove ourselves from. We should withdraw ourselves from that location. There's a reason why... We as Christians should not go have our meals over at the uh, location where women are dancing uh, naked. Okay, that's, well, they got good food there. I go for the food. Yeah, sure you do, buddy. <laughs> all right, that's a whole new session perhaps in the future. But yeah, abstain from all appearance of evil does not apply here. You can't pull that verse out and say you should not practice Christmas or participate in Halloween or Easter because of this verse. No, that that, that don't work. And Brethren who do that, again, they find themselves in a bind of self-righteous hypocrisy because what is your opinion of what appears to be evil? For some brethren, Christmas appears to be evil. For other brethren, Halloween appears to be evil. Okay, again, see how we're going to judge each other unrighteously with that one? That verse don't mean what? What brethren, uh, what um, some brethren wanted to mean, it just it just doesn't. You have to respect the context. So back now to Paul, of course, in Romans fourteen five, saying one person considers one day more sacred than another, sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Now this is not a cut blanche verse to say. See, go ahead on December twenty fifth and practice the very same things that denominationalism would practice religiously regarding that day. That's not a cut blanche to do those things and participate in things that would be um, hostile to the cross of Christ and the truth of the scriptures. Not at all. But it certainly does reveal in context that some of us take the green apple away from the nine red apples and put it apart and have a special day for that green apple to be eaten. 
we decided to make December 25th a day where food and music and lights and festivities and family and all that take place. And on that day, we choose to thank God as we would thank God every other day for all the blessings we have. And if within the confines of my household we thank God for sending Jesus, then we're thankful for, to God for sending Jesus. I'm not going to teach he was born on December 25th, and I'm not going to practice it in such a ritualistic way or anything that would compromise my faith or bring reproach on our Lord's church. Does this make sense? Am I making sense here? Is this being fair? Right? Is this being fair with the information? You have the right to disagree with everything I've just said. Um, there is no need for us to hate each other. But it is my strong conviction that this is indeed the way the scriptures teach, that this is the authority we see from Christ, that we Christians, according to one's own personal conscience, remaining decent and not allowing ourselves to be compromised, can practice these holidays with love and respect for each other and remain united. What I would like to see is some brethren repent from binding their own ways upon others and going to the Bible to try to justify their divisive ways. Shouldn't do that. Shouldn't do that. If you find it to be sinful to have a Christmas tree in your house, then, brother, power to you. Don't have a Christmas tree in your house. Don't come condemn me and seek to be divisive with me if I have one in my house. And friends, listen, if, you are, if you've migrated to our Western world from other locations in which it was seen to be evil to have Christmas activities, friends, it's important for us to learn our way into progress of unity, the way the scriptures would reveal. I'm not going to go to a foreign country or to another location and impose my own academic pursuits or matters of conscience scruple upon you. I'll respect what you practice. This is in the realm that is permissible. We are not at any time here violating the doctrine of our Lord and Master. We are not removing, loosing, or binding. There is a balance there is a seasoning. We are free in Christ, friends. Embrace that freedom. Embrace that freedom. And we also remember that though there are things that are permissible in our freedom, it doesn't make them wise. Paul spoke those words of wisdom. Yeah, it's true. We can participate in holidays. It is permissible. But is it wise? Well, case-per-case case situation. Look in the mirror. What is your independent faith? Stop following man and start following Christ. In John, and we'll finish this session over in the Gospel of John. There's a pretty cool verse here that I shared a few sessions ago. And in a sermon I uploaded over at East Coast, the East Coast Church of Christ Facebook page, or over at uh, the East Coast uh, Church of Christ.com website. In John chapter, uh, where is it now? John chapter 5, I believe. Or is it John chapter 5? Yeah, John chapter 5. Um, John chapter 5, verse 24. 
I quote, it says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word, my word, who are we listening to? Whose word are we listening to? Whose word are we allowing to infiltrate our thoughts and govern our minds, our behaviors, our behavior? Who are we paying attention to? Jesus says, truly, truly, pay attention to what he is saying. It's important. He says to us that the individual who hears his word, look, that's what it says. I'll quote John chapter 5, verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. It's a matter of life and death. Whose word are we paying attention to? Popes, priests, cardinals, reverends, preachers, elders, mom, dad, cousins, family, uncles, aunts, neighbors, co-workers? Friends, we have to listen to the word of our Lord and Master. Where do you find the word? In the Bible, the 66 books of the Holy Bible. That's whom we listen to. And when we do, we'll find our freedom in Christ. Don't be governed by a pharisaical individual, a Pharisee behind the pulpit, a bully who does nothing but just boast of his own pride. Don't, don't, don't go follow someone like that. Follow Jesus. Don't follow those who, who want to bind, who want to add, who want to loose, who want to remove. And do not, friends, keep following the ways of denominationalism. Yes, I know. I am well aware. I have friends. I have family. I have ancestry. I have tradition. I have so many loved ones in denominations. But I love them enough to tell them the truth. You don't need to stay there. I am well aware there are good, decent people, moral, upright people in the community who are members of denominational churches. But that don't make that don't make it the truth. Eh, things to think about. That's all I'm saying. You don't need to believe a single word I say. I'm trying to get you to go to the Bible. Check it out for yourself. Independent faith. All right. Stefan Maya, my name. AddedSouls.com, the website. This is the podcast sessions. We are Thursday. We've addressed a topical discussion, which needs to be addressed every so often, right, regarding Christians and holidays. Hey, listen. Consider subscribing, signing up to it, addedsouls.locals.com. You can support you can support us there. You can support the Added Souls ministry. It's desperately needed. It is appreciated and well received. You can monthly, you can choose your monthly threshold, how much you want to support the Added Souls ministry monthly. That is through the Maya family, my wife, my three little children, the Maya family, my mom, my dad, and the work we are involved in in this mission on the east coast of canada with the east coast church of christ okay it's good you should think about that you can also find me in various other locations on social media addedsouls.com you'll have all the links there if you will is that good stay focused and stay positive i appreciate your viewership till next time lord willing tomorrow oh yeah look at the itinerary look at the monday to friday themed days you might find a day in there you like. You might like all of them. Good stuff. Peace out.